Drunk Dish contains adult language that may not be appropriate for all listeners. Listener discretion is advised. Well, hello and welcome to Drunk Dish, where three delicious dishes explore food history and get pickled in the process. This is episode 45, where we'll be talking about speakeasies and finger foods, I think, somehow. I don't know how those are related. We'll get there. Uh, I will tell you. Just you wait. In any case, I'm Melissa. I'm Kate. I'm Amy. And we got to pat ourselves on the back every yeah, episode that's that like, we yeah, get through. Yeah, remember our names. <laughs> um, great job. Um, so I'm super excited because we do have a guest on this episode, Charlotte McGrath. I am. I just waved like it's not an audio. Yeah, yeah. we do. We do hand movements a lot. And Amy <laughs> usually ends up describing them to our okay. listeners or whatever. Um, That's great. That's great. Okay. But we're very excited to have her here. Um, Charlotte, do you want to tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do? I would love to. Uh, you can find me on Funhouse making videos and doing streams and stuff over on YouTube and on Twitch at What a Show. And, uh, and I make music too. Uh, so another single coming out. I don't know when this is coming, releasing, but somewhere around the same window, maybe. <laughs> I, I think it'll be out days. by the time. Yeah. I, okay. It, yeah. We record okay. like a week out. Very cool. Very cool. Well, yeah, that's, that's what I'm up to. <laughs> just hanging out, you know, just vibing, just fucking <laughs> killing time. <laughs> Waiting for a vaccine. <laughs> Checking the days off the calendar. We just described all of our (laughs) yeah. (laughs) I'm in the May timeline, so as I'm sure Mm -hmm. most most people are. Mm -hmm. I think. I mean, I think it really depends on the size of your state. I think where where we're where we are is so small. I think that we are going to go quicker than Mm -hmm. a lot of other places. I mean, that depends on on uh, management. Well, and but, management true. in New Hampshire. True. We've got some I mean, problems we need to address with HR. Yeah. You look at like Rhode Island and Alaska. I think they're actually moving at a pretty Killing it. Clock. Yeah. They're yeah. just they're just like. That's true. Some of those little Hold places next. in Alaska are like, oh, yeah, we're good. Hold on. Somebody <laughs> is apparently kicking their sedan outside. And sitting <laughs> the lawn, so. <laughs> what did that sedan ever do to them? That's My goodness. <laughs> Oh, God. Thank you so much for having me here. <laughs> Thank That's you okay. In, in probably about 15 minutes, you're going to hear two small redheads screaming in the background. He'll, and she'll know that they're they're redheads as well. You can tell by the screams. You can. You can. Their, their personalities gingers. match I'm, I'm right their through. ginger complexion. Sure, of course. <laughs> Little demons. I love yeah. them. Anyways, um, <laughs> so now that we've introduced ourselves, every episode, Kate likes to ask us one food related question. So, Kate, what is our question? So, um, since today we are discussing finger foods and speakeasies, um, mm-hmm. what I wa- what I was kind of pondering was, <clears throat> and maybe maybe Amy, I'm stepping on your toes. I'm not 100 percent sure. I was a little nervous about this one actually, but what I was thinking was. Do 
Does a finger food need to be bite-sized? Does it have to be one bite um, in mm. order to be considered a finger food? Or is it just no utensils? And that's what makes it a finger food. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I have very strong feelings about that. Oh, good, good, good. Oh. I would love to hear some strong feelings. <laughs> so on Great British Bake Off, or Great British Baking Show in the United States. Yes. They constantly get on bakers because they'll make like finger foods or things that are supposed to be bite-sized and they're like, this is too big or whatever. And I do agree that if like Paul Hollywood has to take like three bites, it's probably too big. Because nobody wants to watch Paul Hollywood eat. I don't need to see him unhinge his jaw like a snake <laughs> to I try and would rather watch him than Mary Berry. She I takes agree. Those tiny bites and she's like, it's, it's a crumb jam with the crumbs. And I'm like, and then oh, the side of her mouth too. It yeah, in the slide. She's like a I just I I just think I would or a hummingbird. Hummingbird. <laughs> <laughs> hummingbird. I just oh don't ever God. want anybody to ever call anything I make stodgy. How die. Oh, God. Oh. You don't want stodgy and you don't want a soggy bottom. No. Don't want a soggy bottom. <laughs> Certainly not. No. Um, but, I mean, I do agree that a finger food shouldn't be, like, a huge thing. But I think if you can eat it with your hands, then it is a finger food. Like, the whole bite size thing, like, everyone's mouth is different. Like, I have a really tiny mouth, so what's bite size for me is not going to be what's bite size for someone else with a huge mouth like Amy. <laughs> That's not true. Amy doesn't have a huge mouth at all, I don't think. I can go. I mean, like... I can't even fake fake insult her. It's so annoying. We've only actually really fought on this, like, twice. And once was about peanut butter, and I can't remember the second one. And I was right about peanut butter. Who came out on top there? Mm. (laughs) Okay. And this is when I usually have to say, now, girls. Um, (laughs) But, so, yeah, I think generally if you don't need a fork... To eat it with then it's it's finger food so like right yeah pizza. i mean you're using your fingers although oh but pizza. yeah okay thank oh, yeah yeah i'm now i'm just like <laughs> throwing things into the pot to get it no that's good <laughs> yeah. stir the pot stir so the maybe pot. you don't need a fork and a knife to eat it but it also doesn't take more than like three bites i think i have an answer for this okay no. i think it's less about the mouth and more about the finger oh boy um <laughs> Go on. I, yes. Podcast. Um, <laughs> but I'm here for it. <laughs> you said I could say anything. No, I think it's, I think what it's about is because like, I don't need a deviled egg in one bite. Like I got to have two bites of that. But mm-hmm. I think it's about the pinch. I think it's about mm. the way you grab mm. the food because a cheesesteak is not finger food. Um, But like a mozzarella stick, you can pinch it. It's I think if you can pinch it, it's finger food. I mean, like technically, the right way to eat pizza is pinching it, though. But not you. But I mean, you're not like there isn't a right way to eat. Up. Amy, stop. <laughs> <laughs> That's coming from the person who uh, just a couple weeks ago vehemently argued that Lunchables is in fact real pizza. So mm. I'm a bad Italian. <laughs> I know. Okay, Amy, what are you? What do you think? I I agree. I agree with both the ladies. Um. Yeah, like it has to it has to like be a certain size in that like it's easily holdable, like in one hand. I feel like even a slice of pizza is going to be a little floppy. Um, And (laughs) this is the language. Not if you do it right. 
the language in this one. Um, and it also has to do, it also has like, it's not like how many bites it's, it's like if you can eat it with your hands without utensils, but also like within a certain size parameter. So mm. yeah, okay. I agree. Okay. So we need a, we need a, a compass or a ruler when we're, <laughs> a when protractor. we're making these. Yeah. Like a pro yeah, protractor. Like yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I think I agree. Um, I don't think bite size makes any sense. The only thing that's bite size in the world are the stupid bite size, like candies that you get at Halloween that yeah. are so weak. Right. Like those tiny, tiny ones that aren't yep. even like the fun size. They're like the tiny, like minis. Min yeah. Like those. Sized. Yeah. 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 Frankly, wasteful. And we should be having less waste so, of, of wrappers and just have a full Butterfinger. You are. Yep. Yes. Uh, right here. Right here. Come on. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Agreed. Absolutely. Because yeah. you no, know you're having more than one of those. I'm going to eat five. Time. Yeah. So oh, just yeah. have a regular one. Oh, um, so does sushi count? Oh. Mm. Yeah. I think so. Mm. Okay. I think just because it's a meal doesn't mean it can't be finger food, right? See, well, and that's where I thought the like, li line I was drawing like, was. And I've seen Amy eat mozzarella sticks <laughs> for a meal. Yeah, I did that's, that like two weeks ago again we on a call. Yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, you've thrown a, a curveball at me. I, I mean, feel like uh, sushi, though, like sometimes you have to like the expectation is you eat it with chopsticks. I guess I you're not technically fingers. That's a utensil. That's not frowned upon. I, I want to say no. I, it's like it's it's going against my every sense. My entire being is saying no. Sushi is not a finger food, but I can't I, think of a good argument for it. I was thinking that <laughs> maybe the, it. Yeah, I was thinking that maybe the question is not actually is it bite size or not, but more is a finger food more of a past thing or something that you get, you know, at a party. I don't know you if know? you remember what a party is, but like it's is. when you have a gathering and you feed multiple What's people. That? I know, I know. Um, it's a gathering. Like, it's like, yeah, it's like definition multiple with the word people. you can't do. But <laughs> yeah, so it's a thing where the four of us and more of us could all be together in the same space and mm -hmm. their food that was prepared by somebody that you didn't know laid out and you would be okay eating that yeah sounds like a the, fairy the tale french have an answer for this and the, <laughs> okay. the issue isn't how we define <laughs> yeah the issue isn't how we define finger food it's that english is too confining we don't have enough words uh, this is true this okay. is a very good point <clears throat> okay all right yeah is that if sushi is the event like if you're all sitting down to have sushi it doesn't yeah. feel like finger food but if it's like right. a swanky party i've never been to a party where sushi is put out as neither have i yeah because no. it, any of the parties that i've been at if it were i'd be like i'm not touching that because <laughs> you don't know where that how long yeah. has that been there right <laughs> right mayonnaise on it yeah. um <laughs> just some garbage basement and, <laughs> and, the, and um, the, in the northeast it's definitely market basket sushi that's you know uh, probably basket. a few days oh, oh yeah market basket yeah when wow. I lived in Minnesota and people would go out for sushi, I'd be like, are you sure? It's weird. Like, we're several days <laughs> from an ocean. <laughs> Maybe they have like, because have you heard of, ever heard of a prairie oyster? Oh, no. God. No. It's, uh, it's a raw egg with a dash of Tabasco and um, something else. And then I think it's called an amber moon if you add vodka. 
But oh peri oyster is because I think it's the same risk of having raw food, but you are landlocked. So you do just crack an egg into a glass. <laughs> it's supposed to be bad, <laughs> is what I've heard. Yeah. But I really want to try it. <laughs> it's also supposed to be like a like a hangover cure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. A little hair of the dog too, if you put whiskey in there. Yeah, which I don't know. Maybe there's in. a prairie sushi, which is like <laughs> I don't know. Is it I we were talking about prairie? Like no, like, no. Praying, no, like, like, dog, like sick by the prairie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like wow. Prairie home companion prairie. Yes. Oh, yes. Prairie home companion. <laughs> we're all on the same page. <laughs> we're all we are all caught back up. All right. Okay. But so, we do all agree that finger food doesn't have to be a single bite. One way. Right. Yeah, that's, I think that's a much more is, complex. There's so many factors to consider. Yeah, Context yeah. is everything in yeah. this situation. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I like it. Charlotte's coming in with the like really intelligent. I'm very opinionated like, about it's, dumb bullshit. Get off of this show. We don't have <laughs> that opinions. <laughs> I got well, things to say. <laughs> Well, okay. Well, I, I like that. We might have to circle back to this at some point. I, I think it's a something worth worth. Oh, may, oh, wait. Maybe we are talking about this in a little bit. Yes, maybe. <laughs> that's, that's how the episode works generally. Um, Usually, listen. everything's related. Does somewhat it, does it all? Mm, okay. Sometimes. Okay. My drink's um, not. <laughs> <laughs> well, Melissa, what are we drinking tonight? <laughs> So we're drinking a doozy tonight. It's really pretty though. It's got this really like soft green color. I don't know if Ooh. you can, if yeah, you can that tell. is pretty. Um, it's very pretty. So yeah, it's very pretty. It's called um, the last word, but not the last word. It's just last word cocktail. But it feels weird not saying the in front of it. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. Um, so it's because you're American. It's like yeah. saying hospital versus the hospital. Mm. Or you're making a joke. It's like yeah. not a real person. I was just teasing. (laughs) You all paused like I said something. I can't see you because I have my notes up. (laughs) I can't see the sarcasm in your face. As Uh, an American, I try to, (laughs) every time the topic of my nationality comes up, just sit in shame and wallow. (laughs) I mean, that's the appropriate response. (laughs) Oh, God, I am American. (laughs) Fuck. That is most of the show. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> shame. Yeah, this man. national yep. shame. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, so this cocktail's a doozy because it's got a couple uh liqueurs in it that will punch you right in the face. Um, so it is three quarter ounces of gin. It can be any gin of your choice. Um, but as you'll see, kind of the traditional type of gin would have been the bathtub gin, um, which you can purchase now. Obviously, it's not real bathtub gin, but it's a bit harsher. Um But in this, I just kind of threw in what I had on hand, which was Plymouth gin, which is a really kind of middle of the road dry gin. Um, And then it has three quarter ounces of green chartreuse, um, which is an herbal liqueur that is both super bitter and super sweet at the same time. Uh, Three quarter ounce of, yep, three quarter ounce of maraschino liqueur, which is the same. It's very sweet while also being very bitter. Um, And three to three quarter ounces of lime juice. Mm-hmm. Um, so it is an equal parts cocktail. Um, it's always fun when we get one of these, although in doing my research, I did find that a lot of people recommended upping the gin. So I did up the gin to a whole ounce instead of three quarters mm-hmm. of an ounce, because you know, I like my gin. It's try. always a good idea to up the gin. It is. Gotta up the gin. Pungent. <laughs> it's like equal parts. Wink. 
<laughs> That's a great face, that Melissa. Is, <laughs> that is violence in my mouth. <laughs> That's that's gonna be the podcast episode. Violence, violence in my mouth. In my mouth. Yeah. But I like it. <laughs> it's, it's violent. It's like yeah. It's like if BDSM was a flavor. Wow. Okay. Huh. Okay. I. Okay. <laughs> okay. It's good, but both Luxardo. I use Luxardo um, Maraschino liqueur. is very strong. It's essentially a cherry liqueur. Um, mm-hmm. So that's coming through. Green Chartreuse is made. I think it's with 130 different herbs. Um, yeah. Of course, invented by monks as every popular I mean, that's liquor what, seems I, to be. I often wonder, like, what did people do before, like, television and the internet? And it's like, that's what they did. They invented booze. They yeah. were just shit They invented time. different kinds yeah. of booze. Yeah. Are um, monks notorious for doing so specifically? Yes. 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 Wow. Yeah, like a lot. something to a guy. Yeah. <laughs> well, now what am I going to do with all this energy? Yeah. Yeah. Almost every Ugh. liqueur we talk about usually has a tie to monks in some way, especially French monks. Is taking mm-hmm. a break from transcription, I guess, to check on yeah. a barrel. Yeah. And- right. Right. Um, yeah. Um, and then normally you can garnish this with a um, brandy soaked cherry, which I didn't have any. So I just didn't. Um, Sneak. So you combine all the ingredients in a shaker with ice, shake for 10 to 12 seconds or until the shaker is frosty, which is pretty standard, and then strain until chilled cocktail glass. Uh, Again, if you're serving it at like one of these party things that we've been talking about, um, you'd probably want to double strain just to get the ice chips out of there. Um, But I mean, if it's just you, who cares? Just dump the whole thing in there if you want with the ice and all. I mean, It'll whatever it makes you happy. It'll be fine. Yeah. I, like I drink a Manhattan on the rocks, which is like not okay. You're not supposed to do that, but it stays cold longer. Oh, and yeah. I like it. Well, you just stir it in the glass. Yeah. It's like great. Your dishes. Cold. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds really good. Yeah. It does sound yeah. really good. Are you all drinking this concoction? No. Alas, no. no. It, it used, used to be. be. Mm. Yeah. Melissa would make us these delicious things. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds wonderful. Yeah. But yeah, my anyway. my bartending skills like um are like opening a can of Sprite and like popping a bottle of wine. Sometimes I didn't even successfully get the wine bottle open tonight. Right. I opted Barely. for vodka because <laughs> I had a twist cap and my hand was bleeding. Um, <laughs> so wait, 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 is there a is there a, a <laughs> bottle of wine out there still with like half of the cork stuck <laughs> on? With the yeah, cork screw in it, I just red. gave up. <laughs> That's so funny. My partner's going to come home and be like, Amy. It's <laughs> environmental storytelling. I put it in the liquor cabinet so the kids wouldn't see it, but it's still got the corkscrew in it. <laughs> Excellent. Huh. So that's that's my that's my skill level at okay. making drinks. I appreciate yeah. that. I do miss I do miss making the drinks for my girls. It was always very fun. Yes. And the yeah. pandemic has taken that away from us and it's gone on for a whole fucking year. Stupid. So pandemic. Know, we're doing <laughs> it's great. Long one. It's really, it's really been long. I had a, it has been long. I had a cocktail phase that uh, I was like, I'm going to get really into making cocktails. Mm. And I've kind of come out with like three mainstays, but then otherwise haven't experimented more. It it's tough because you you like people aren't going to just have a bottle of maraschino liqueur and chartreuse lying around like yeah there's all these individuals like it took me a long time to buy them because they're kind of expensive and you use like a half an ounce per cocktail 
And they're also really pungent. So it's hard to kind of find cocktails that they work in, in my opinion. I know that there are people that love how pungent they are, but yeah. Charlotte, what are your mainstays? What are the three Uh, things? Yes. (laughs) Well, I I would have made a gin drink if I had gin. Well, there's a few factors. I was going to get stuff and make a cocktail. And then I was like, no, I I don't want to buy all these different things. And Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, I'll get some beer. And then... I thought that like casual fun fruity beer I got would be great for a record uh, because I need to do some things later. I didn't want to get like buzzed too much, but it is 7.5 ABV, which I did not realize until I was like all the way through the first one and like texting my cousin like, about how much I appreciate her. <laughs> and I was like, hold on, hold on. something's off. And then I, was the bottom, I was like, whoa, why am okay. I feeling so many feelings? Yeah, what is yeah. happening? That's, that's, that's been great. one of the most like key journeys since college. Cause like, that would have been a score like, oh, wow, I got this beer. I'm underaged and it's going to get me drunk. Mm-hmm. And now it's an accident. And I'm like, I have, I have to do things with my fingers. Like I have fine <laughs> motor skills. I need to like, again, with the fingers. I'm sorry. I have to sew something. <laughs> to, but I, uh, okay, what you do with your fingers is your business. <laughs> anyway, to answer the question, I, I like a Manhattan. I like a whiskey sour sometimes. Sometimes mm-hmm, it's just mm-hmm. a little sweet. And then I also make this like, lime pomegranate gin fizz uh which is super easy and very like decadent in like a refreshing way which is what i hope that i can bring to a room when i walk in just like ah, just like this opulent relaxation nice opulent relaxation oh my god Uh, but yeah i made made something the other night with vodka which wasn't quite as good but uh when i saw the email with the the drink listed i was like oh i'm gonna file that away because i do want to try it um but yeah i love like a very dry but not too dry like i'm not like a martini gal i love a martini but this isn't dry that's the weird thing about maraschino liqueur and chartreuse is they're both so sweet while also being so it's sweet um but also really pungent and kind of bitter (laughs) if that makes any sense it's it is a bizarre combination um But let's move on to a little bit of history of this particular cocktail. Um, So this was actually created by the Detroit Athletic Club um, in Detroit, which was essentially like a private pub for fancy industrial type men Mm. that worked in like the auto industry, the little bit of the auto industry that there was then um, or you know, big rich dudes. And it's basically a private club that still exists today and is still a private club, which leads me to believe that's probably a terrible place to be. But (laughs) at the time, um, this particular cocktail was on the menu and it was popularized by vaudevillian. Mm -hmm. uh, Okay. I don't know if this is right. Monologists. Does that sound right? I'm going to say monologists. Monomena. Yeah. He's (laughs) essentially a stand up. (laughs) God, no. No, it's going to be in here now. Anytime you could get Kate and me singing together. Yeah. No Hamilton references. That was, that was Muppets. That's yeah, not no, I know I'm saying I'm warning you for future references, although I don't think there's anything in here that will lead to Hamilton. So <laughs> praise be for that. Um, but so this vaudevillian, uh, Frank Fogarty, who was nicknamed, and I hate it, the Dublin minstrel, um, was very popular. Ew. Like I said, yeah, he was basically a stand-up comedian. He had a minstrel show um, and he popularized the drink in the 1920s. He basically brought it to New York 
Now, a bunch of uh, um, articles and stuff I read, and I believe the Wikipedia entry as well, kind of credited him with making the drink, like inventing it. But he didn't work at the Detroit Athletic Club when it was made. And um, the Detroit Athletic Club found evidence that this particular cocktail has actually been served at their club since 1916, which Hmm. was four years before Fogarty like introduced it. In New York. So more likely it was invented by just a bartender at the DAC. Um, So our choices are a bartender at a very affluent private club in Detroit or a comedian who literally did a minstrel show. Yeah. Blackface. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Not great. I'm going to put my, I'm going to throw my lot in with bartender. Yes. Uh, Yes. I agree. Maybe he um, wasn't like a rich. Right, know. he was a bartender. Yeah, he was a bartender. He's Working class yeah. fellow, you know. Yeah, yeah hot. probably had some wild story. Uh, definitely hot. <laughs> a, a smoke show. <laughs> <laughs> One can only hope. And I mean, in our dreams, he can be anything we want him to be. So, yeah. <laughs> um, so and here's where my mistake comes in. It, it was initially when I looked this one up and this had been a, a cocktail that I've actually been wanting to try for a while. Um, and it was touted as a prohibition error cocktail, which is why I picked it. But um, as I said, it showed up on the club's menu in 1916, um, which is before prohibition. So it was actually around a few years before that. Um, and then eventually got adapted to include bathtub gin once prohibition went into effect. Mm. Um and what's really cool is it, it was on the 1916 menu for 35 cents, which was their most expensive cocktail. Um, Inflation, man. Right in the back. Right. Well, in 2021, <laughs> that would be $8.40, which actually isn't even, even that still, much for a yeah, cocktail. That's yeah. great. Yeah. In LA? Oh, my God. I can't even imagine <laughs> in Boston, God. a cocktail's like $14. So I don't even know. I have, I have paid probably upwards of 20 at points for a cocktail. Ouch. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, not good. Not great. <laughs> no, thank you. Um, so that's pretty cool. Um, the first publication that ever shows up in is a book by Ted Saucier um, that he published in 1951 called Bottoms Up. Um, so a little bit about, too, we had kind of already talked about the flavors and the construction of the cocktail a little bit. It's a, it's basically a sour um, combining the the better, the sweet and the sour in that kind of traditional way. Um, but green chartreuse, like I said, it's it's French. It was first made by monks in the 1700s and it uses a, just a, you know, just a buttload of herbs. 130. All the herbs. All the herbs. herbs. Just get all the herbs. Go fuck yourself, Dr. Pepper. Yeah. (laughs) Dr. Pepper. Oh, you added cherry and vanilla? Okay, 25. Yeah. Good job. Vanilla Dr. Pepper is really good, though. But anyway, so we've got that bringing this really like herbaceous, strong flavor to it. And then, of course, I used the Luxardo Maraschino liqueur. Uh, and I've heard this pronounced both ways as maraschino and maraschino. And I don't know which one's right, but I've always said the former. makes me feel smarter. Maraschino. Yeah. You know, you got to do the hand gestures. <laughs> yeah. You got to yeah. do the I'm hand so, gestures. I love that that emoji got added because I'm, I'm watching the Sopranos. And so like, I was like, <laughs> Maran, <laughs> just send it to punctuate. You need it. Yeah. yeah, yeah no, it's like, like when my mom talks about lasagna, even though she is not Italian at all and decides to say all the words like she's Italian and she does this, she goes, <laughs> 
Rita. And I'm like, mom, no. <laughs> Rikot. You're fucking average. Stop it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> In the matter there. No. Bagul, <laughs> Yeah. I'm also Irish, so I have I can have a good bend on I uh, Italian. <laughs> here I am saying Maraschino, so I don't know. <laughs> I make it I, sound bad though. I bought a, this is not Italian, but I bought a croissant once at a self-checkout at a, at a grocery store croissant. and it was like croissant. Yeah. Well, that's why it's funny. Cause I went, I entered a uh, croissant. I picked it from the on-screen menu and it was like, please enter your croissant quantity. I was like, <laughs> 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 I pressed one. It was like, you've chosen one croissant. I, like, <laughs> I couldn't believe that they had programmed uh, it to do that. That's amazing. <laughs> that yeah. Like, so, that was four guys, years ago. I'm still thinking about it. Do you guys know what uh Milfoy is? It's like that French, it's puff pastry, but really thin. And then it's got like pastry cream in the middle and fruit or whatever. Mm. My husband and I are big fans of Bake Off. So we watch all the Bake Offs we can get our hands mm. on. So in Canadian Bake Off, one of the judges would <laughs> really pronounce the fuck out of that. And she would just be like, me a <laughs> If we ever talk about we're like ordering pastries or whatever, I'm like, oh, babe, oh, babe. So we want some croissants. We want some cream puffs. Would you like some me a no, No one else pronounces it that way, but... It always takes me for a loop when there's like a really French Canadian person. Cause like, obviously like they exist. That's like a huge contingency of the population, but like, it's just like, wow. Like during yeah. the Olympics and someone's like, well, we went there and they bobsled. And I was like, oh, but you're Canadian. <laughs> we are so happy to win the gold medal. <laughs> okay. <laughs> wow. <laughs> really? <laughs> oh my God. That's really good. I'm really... Yeah, we really we fail at just pronouncing <laughs> things correctly, yeah, yeah, no. let alone having an authentic accent. Every single one of my accents is the same. But anyways, <laughs> moving on. Um, so again, so I've almost drank this whole thing. So on the last episode, um, our guests were just flabbergasted at how I managed to drink my entire cocktail while also doing my segment. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't know what to tell them other than I just drank it, which is <laughs> like... They also they they we love them dearly, but they also spoke a lot. Like that's a good thing. We wanted them to speak a lot, but they gave you lots of opportunities to sit along the way. That's fair. Yeah, just kind of like uh huh. Yeah, uh yeah. So again, talking about the flavor, um, this really feels like it shouldn't work. And like I said, it it really was a punch in the mouth. It's not flavors that I would generally put into a cocktail. It's not what I would normally drink, like a Manhattan or standard sour um, or just, you know, like gin and seltzer, which is kind of my go to lazy person. That's what I got over here. Um, (laughs) But it it really works like the combination is is really great. I think the lime just like really really bumps it up and so i and, think if you have the ingredients or you're willing to spend freaking 50 dollars on a bottle that is going to take you 10 years to use um i think it's really really worth it amy were you gonna did i cut you off well no i was just gonna say like the like even though there was it was most likely invented before the prohibition like prohibition era cocktails usually are really flavor rich because you have to compete with the horrible quality of booze that was yep. available during that time oh, that's really interesting yeah. i've never thought about that oh yeah 100% most of the the reason there are so many famous cocktails that came about during prohibition was just from 
bartenders having to get really creative about what they put in their drinks to kind of downplay the fact that this liquor was probably the worst liquor you could possibly right, just get. Like dirt water, moonshine. Yeah. yeah. It was stored in a cave for seven months. Yeah. yeah I mean, I or feel like you were lucky if like you got a cave. Embalming <laughs> fluid or like, yeah, like oh, literal poison. Yeah, no, that was. <laughs> wow. Well, that was there... also a problem killed a lot of people. Yep. Oh, <laughs> boy. Um, <Yeah>. Hydroxychloroquine. Um, <laughs> are, are there any, uh, this is really interesting. Are there any like, like very popular modern, modern cocktails that like would be like a, like a signature on a menu anywhere that came about during prohibition? Oh my God. I'm All sure there's them? a bunch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot. I'm trying to like, think. Moscow Mule is one that comes to mind. Yeah. Right? Interesting. Yeah. For sure. Um, I want to say, um, bees knees. We did that episode with the bees oh, knees. I love bees knees. Mm. Is yeah, is delicious. Um, yeah. the white lady, which I, we haven't done on this show, but is a popular one. It has a lot of lemon in it, which for me I love. Um, oh, oh, uh, sidecar. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, sidecar is a big one. Okay. Um, so yeah, a lot. Like I'm sure there's way more. Um, so I'm cool. gonna guess. I'm gonna guess the whiskey sour although i don't know that for sure but it just seems like something that would come from having really bad whiskey adding in <laughs> the like lemon and lime and sugar it's that's why i can only drink it so much because it's so overwhelming it's yeah. so sweet and if i only have the lemons then i'm just like yeah it's like it's like dessert yeah yeah, yeah so it's fun i mean the fact that i managed to pick <laughs> <laughs> a cocktail that wasn't actually invented during prohibition yeah. is <laughs> astounding. <laughs> but like, it probably became like more popular yeah, during prohibition, even though it was invented yeah. before. Like that's like, and that's that's uh, like that era of of American history is over a decade, and it completely reshaped mm -hmm. our food and our beverages. Like it reshaped how we entertained. It reshaped like every part of American life. 100%. So. Yeah. So, like I said, this was super popular during Prohibition. It eventually fell out of favor um, right around World War II. We don't really know why. Um, but in 2004, it was actually um, resurrected by a bartender in Seattle called Murray Stenson. Um, he came across the Ted uh, Saucier book. Um, that I mentioned that was published in 1951. And he began like basically making this cocktail and then it became huge in Seattle. Like it absolutely <laughs> like blew up. Now, when I say like, oh, it wasn't popular anymore. It fell out of favor. It fell so much out of favor that when a, a, a journalist called the Detroit Athletic Club to talk about the beverage that was blowing up in Seattle, they had no idea what he was talking about. They were like, what do you oh. mean? We invented this? what <laughs> um so at first they were like super hesitant to actually like take credit for it because they're like we don't know what you're talking about we don't know what this is so they essentially um launched a full investigation into the origin of the cocktail before they actually took credit for its creation um and they did find that menu from 1916 um that the cocktail was listed on for 35 cents and they also found a newsletter that went to members that also talked about the cocktail. Um, so the cocktail is super popular now. It spawned hundreds of variations um, with one bar owner saying it's like lasagna. Lasagna. 
Um, (laughs) (laughs) There are 100 different variations of lasagna, but they all work. It's about getting the ingredients and the proportions right. Mm. Uh, So, yeah, that is our drink that I have now completed. (laughs) And uh, I am feeling that. So luckily us on the East Coast, it's getting, I mean, it's not even six o'clock yet. So this is actually pretty bad. I do have to work tomorrow morning. Um, (laughs) Yeah, just let me continue drinking my seltzer and gin. (laughs) I I really want to go get some gin now because you brought me crazy. Oh, I am never, never without gin. Yeah. My, uh, My friend sent me one from Philadelphia that was like very strong, but very like floral from a mm. local distillery. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't remember which kind I which kind I like, but I don't know. Maybe I shouldn't. I went kind of nuts at Target yesterday in the home goods section. <laughs> I saw your tweet so, about that and all I wanted to know was what you bought because I've been obsessed with Oh my god, what didn't I buy? <laughs> which Kate and Amy, I got my other fake plant in. That's I, good. You How's your really real plant do. doing? My real plant is great. The air plant that is supposedly so uh, easy to care for is dead and gone. Bye. My mm. second air plant, but my other plant is doing great. But anyways. Well, <laughs> yay for, so did for you, the plants that made it. <laughs> yeah. Did you buy anything right, exciting in the home goods section? Oh, Because now wow. I want to know. Yeah, I got a lamp. I got Ooh. throw pillows. I got <gasps> a little suction cup shelf for my shower. Uh, to, to put things on. Uh, I got a picture frame for a poster. Nice. I, oh my God. I'm I, very I was, happy It was one you. of those, I got some like tape to, t- to keep a rug from sliding. It was, I was in heaven. I, wow. It was like one of those things where it's like, I need all these mundane things that will make my life so much better. And mm-hmm. then they all piled up. And like yesterday I swept and vacuumed and reorganized and wiped down surfaces. Oh, and then I, and then I went to Target and I, st- I spent way too much just on like, kitchen rags and like organization stuff for my makeup and like extension cords. You need to do that, <laughs> to do that every like, once in a while. Yeah, no, I, it, I, yeah. I need it in this, this, yeah. in this economy. Yeah. In this economy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, like if you, you know, we spend so much time at home, so I was like, it better look good. So right. yeah. But no, yeah, I did true. go a little nuts. My friend who was with me had to press the pay button on the checkout screen because <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I can't. We got it. up there and I scanned the last few items, and I was like, "Oh no!" That's like when <laughs> Kate, <laughs> Kate and I went to Target the other day. Yeah. So Kate's my driver for when um, I do curbside pickup at the liquor store because we're mm. in our bubbles, so we see each yep. other all the time. Anyways, so we had just stopped at Target so I could get limes for this cocktail. That was, it. and she could get cash. <laughs> and uh, we both had pretty full baskets at the end of that shopping. <laughs> <laughs> and it I think it's you. There was you even know? the point where we were like walking past the cute like mugs and things, and Melissa's like, "Oh," and I was like, "You don't need that," and I was like, "I need that." <laughs> that's I didn't not, buy. That's not how being someone's support shopper works. I, I did stop. I stopped Kate from buying a couple things. <laughs> you did. I feel like you did, and I think I... you you had already had a couple face masks in there, and I was like, Kate, honey, you don't need. Yeah. You don't need any more. You're like, aren't you allergic to all of that stuff? That's true. Yeah, it was going to be really awful. (laughs) These going to make your skin freak out. But probably, (laughs) yeah. And that's what friends do. That's true. Anyway, you got to talk about some food. I was going to say, Amy. 
please tell us about how finger foods in speakeasies are somehow connected. Yes. So first, we're going to go a little bit further back in time and uh, look at 18th century France. Um, <laughs> I appreciate the time warp sound effects, as always, ladies. Um, so uh, canapes, which I'm saying wrong. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I love, I love that <laughs> so much. Face is amazing. Canapé, canapé, yes. so good. Oh. <laughs> Definitely oh, a canapé from now on. Yes, for sure. Oh, Canapés. <laughs> Do you know what that word means in French? Canapés. Yeah. No, I don't speak French. I mean, sofa. Really? Oh. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so your topic is starting to make sense because sofas. Also was part of this originally. So <laughs> so the the reason why this specific kind of food item is named after a sofa is because they had like a slice of bread and then they would set little bits of food on top like a like, like people? people sitting on a, on a sofa. Oh, God. <laughs> no. What will they think of next? Yep. Yeah, these eighteen, these nineteenth century French people. <laughs> yes, so the these like the foods. <laughs> okay, the finger foods that make a huge um, <laughs> splash during Prohibition era start in this era in France, and it's because people wanted easily edible like like things that they could hold in their hands. So like this time, this is like the big food trend is like what can I eat without utensils? What can I eat in like a more casual setting? What can I eat at a picnic? What can I eat? They were just like at parties all the time. And And that's, yeah, that's like the main thing. So like during this time, pandemic, they, they, I mean, they probably were in some sort of pandemic at this time. Smallpox was around then. I'm sure at least three or four kind of just rolling through the countryside. Right. Yeah. True. But they didn't. I mean, people thought the water spread disease, so like they didn't understand it. They but didn't did, understand it. <laughs> meanwhile, the streets are filled with shit. Right. Yes, yeah, yeah, they, they didn't. Like, they like, didn't connect those dots. Must be the water. <laughs> Maybe it's the shit in the water. <laughs> no, no, it's the water. That's why the tutus never bathed. Is because they were convinced water spread disease. They were disgusted. The tutus never bathed. No, they never. They would wipe down with linen cloth. What about? Oh, well, I was dry. Say all those oh, scenes in the God. Tudors when you know jonathan reese myers buff that's not that's not real wiped down henry the eighth was not that attractive he was a fat oh. rapist yeah he no, was I not oh my God. <laughs> i knew i mean and a dirty one too yeah I, just and he never I mean come on you know what yeah you murder a few wives but why you gotta be a rapist i mean really? Uh, unroyal life nobody has to be a rapist he just made a bad choice over and over and over again i'm sorry that i brought up jonathan reese myers is hot (laughs) sorry we're gonna have to put a trigger warning at the beginning of this episode now because (laughs) we talk about horrible well we should put a trigger warning at the beginning of every episode because history is rife with with, uh, people deserving of trigger warnings unfortunately (laughs) so Back to the 18th century. Um, yes. So like that, that specific type of dish is named after sofa for that reason. So there's all these different kinds of toppings sitting on all these different kinds of bread like things, essentially. And it evolved into just like meaning small size finger foods. And there's a question of like, okay, 
is this the same as hors d'oeuvres? And like, how does that translate into finger food? So earlier when Kate was posing her question, I was like, English just is not an effective language. It, it's not wide enough for us. We don't have all the words we need, right? Oh. The main difference is that hors d'oeuvres are served as an appetizer before meal and canapes are served in place of meal. So same kinds of food. It could be the same exact thing. But it's whether or not you are eating other food after it. Uh, I mean, that of makes course. perfect sense. Though, really. <laughs> of course, the French are like 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 the Inuit people with snow <laughs> towards food. Towards that you food can eat yes. while you're getting fucked up. That's that's beautiful. <laughs> I think that's a really wonderful telling I, aspect. Yeah, of I do culture. too. <laughs> yeah, I do too. Yes. So the um. They're both like the same size, right? They can both be eaten by hand and they, they're they gaining popularity at this time for one reason, one main reason. And one is that like there's this huge shift in social dynamics happening during this time period in France. So like like things are becoming more casual. And when you'd welcome people over to your house for like a big dinner party, you would welcome them into like a dining area. And usually you would start with drinks and then something small that they could eat. Um, and this was for more formal dining like situations, but if you had a more casual dining situation, say you had like a men's club, like the club that Melissa mentioned, the Detroit, um, athletic club, right. Where maybe people aren't coming for a meal, but they still need to eat something to help absorb the booze. Yeah. So like that, um, holiday party that we went to Amy, where I didn't eat any of the canapes, (laughs) but just used all of my drink tickets. You found more drink tickets. You solicited drink tickets from fellow workers. Our designated driver gave me his drink tickets and it wasn't my fault. You know, I mean, opportunity shows, you know, shows in some of the most unexpected ways. And yeah, yes, more yeah. <laughs> I, I remember I went to my friend's wedding four days after I turned 21. So oh, boy. I had plenty of experiences drinking, but it was like horrible concoctions made in an iced tea bottle uh, and then <laughs> drunk in, the, in a dark backyard in Philly. Uh, but I remember it was I was like very, very recently 21 and it was his wedding. And they had an open bar and I was like, I have no idea what to order. So I just got like uh, vodka cranberries all night. I think some seven and sevens too, because that was my mom's drink. Uh, And her father was before her. So I was like, I know what, I know what two drinks are. And that's, that's what I'm going to get. I was, I was so intimidated. I was like. I have no idea what goes together. (laughs) Yeah. That's, that's like Kate's wedding had an open bar for the wedding party yeah and i did not eat anything at that wedding and Mm -hmm. found myself trying to climb into a samurai exhibit because it was at a museum oh okay (laughs) i I I realized after i gotta specify that it was at a museum and they had a special samurai exhibit and my husband venue yeah oh my god it was so so great it was really really good okay i'm sorry amy it's fine it's fine so this idea I was of like so small... to interrupt. I'm sorry. You're no, doing yeah, great. that's good. That's exactly what you have to do. Um, I just have to remember to interrupt to bring it back. Yeah, re-interrupt. From, yeah, re-interrupt. So this idea of small dishes is a global one. So just like when we talked about in the pizza episode, where like there's a version of pizza in every culture, there's a version of um, canapes and hors d'oeuvres in every culture. So there's like a smorgasbord in Sweden. I know you 
bitches are laughing at me the way I say that dumb French word. Um, Is it not just canapes? It's just canapes. I feel like there's more difficult French words to pronounce. Maybe, I, mean, I don't know. I don't speak French. But My first name is French. I should fucking know how to say it. I mean... <laughs> And you're also so Italian that you use olive oil for moisturizer, but you think Lunchables are actual pizza. So you <laughs> wow, are an that, enigma. That she holds so much heft. And, and uh, wow. <laughs> Again, I can leave. I can, I can go. <laughs> you need to like have this out. <laughs> no, it's not safe. They, it's, and no, it's everybody's really fine. Safe. Yeah. Is that you just have to understand it? every episode. I have to grossly mispronounce Shh. at least three things. <laughs> and it's what not just... <laughs> It's not just culture. It's it like is far flung cultures. It like, is part of our brand. It's not <laughs> like I can appreciate that certainly. Yeah, I want I want like the the people of color who listen to us to understand that like I'm not just mispronouncing like Maori words or like like traditional Hawaiian words. Like I'm mispronouncing French shit. I'm yeah. mispronouncing yeah. Italian. I can't equal, equal, yes, equal opportunity words. mispronunciations. All right. <laughs> canapes we're talking about canapes right? <laughs> and i'm sorry <laughs> so smorgasbords in sweden skuskas in russia antipasto in italy mezzi in the middle east there's some version of this like in every single culture Tapas. across the whole wide world Tapas. and mm. like one of the most appealing mm. parts of this is that this food is like for like a more informal dining experience right so like i said like all of these social constricting rules are starting to like loosen and people are starting to like more casually entertain so it's not like this huge big sit down dinner thing every single time you have people over and because there's no plates or utensils necessary people can carry these foods by hand and just like have more conversation be able to mingle more they aren't tied down to their dining room chair anymore so it's a completely different way of social interaction now these things have been around since the 18th century but they didn't really gain in huge popularity until prohibition era for a couple different reasons they make out their entry into the u.s and uk in like the 1860s to 1880s and then when prohibition comes around two things happen so one is that um, the Volstead Act is passed. So the Prohibition era, there's like two stages. Volstead Act is passed, and that's just like a law that's passed by Congress, and it outlaws the sale of alcohol. Does it outlaw the consumption of alcohol? So rich people could plan ahead and say, oh, this is coming in six months. I'm going to buy all the booze. Yeah, no, the basement's full of right. every booze you could think of to get them through. Right. Fuckers. So they were still totally planning on drinking. Yep. Like it wasn't going to affect them. They could have dinner parties and cocktail parties mm -hmm. um, and entertain mm -hmm. people. And that wasn't going to really change their lifestyle at all. They just had to make a bigger investment up front on the booze because it just outlawed the sale of alcohol, not the consumption of alcohol. And then the second part of that is that the 18th Amendment passes. And that's the thing that doesn't go in, into effect until 1920. So the Volstead Act kind of bridges that gap between 1918 and 1920. So it takes it makes everything go into effect immediately, even though the amendment isn't going into place until 1920. And again, just bans the sale and it bans the manufacturing of alcohol, too, but it doesn't ban the consumption. So you can't make bathtub gin. You can't sell said bathtub gin. But if you were rich and you stocked up on real gin beforehand, you're all set. You and your friends can uh, get wasted as long as that gin will last. Mm. Is that so, where is that where like um was there like a loophole with the private clubs where maybe they weren't selling 
drinks, but you were selling a membership to the club? Is that where something like that came? I don't. That's a really good question. I, I mean, don't know. I know like bring your own beer or not beer, but bring your own alcohol situation started to yeah. arise when this happened, because if people had alcohol at home, they could bring it and then still right. pay for food. Mm-hmm. Um, and and at, I would like, also... Yeah, I would also yeah. add to that that the like the Detroit Athletic Club, places like that where that were very prestigious, um wouldn't really get rated. Mm, if that right. makes True. Any sense. So like they could sell cocktails and it was kind of more of oh the the cops would come and investigate every now and then they'd be like, Oh, I don't see anything in your business. And like they'd be like, here's some money. Um, mm-hmm. because it was prestigious. It was more the bars that and, and clubs and speakeasies, I think, that cater to more common folk that would get raided and would get in trouble for having stores of liquor. The rich people didn't because, you know, right. America, although right. I, it could probably be argued almost every industrialized uh, nation probably operates the same way. So there were a lot of clubs and bars during prohibition that didn't really have to worry about it because okay. they catered to the ultra wealthy and the ultra wealthy pay a lot of taxes and mm-hmm. hold a lot of power. So yeah, that seems, that seems right. So you have this like huge disruption to not just like alcohol consumption, but also cooking too because you have brandies or wines like specifically for cooking in your kitchen and like melissa said too it widely it like largely left rich people alone and mostly just disrupted the lives of like everyday working americans um so this leads to the usage widespread usage of things like appetizers and finger foods for a couple reasons one is because all of a sudden because liquor, the sale of liquor is outlawed. We have speakeasies and juice joints, which I wish we called everything juice joints. I oh love my that gosh, word. Yes. Um, so all the bars move underground. And because the bars move underground, they can no longer have, you know, necessarily like, um, you know, not storefront, but like, you know, be be out there with their marketing, right? Like they can't have like a, a bright. Like a marquee. Right, a marquee, a door, sign in, stuff like gin that. here. <laughs> right. Not okay. It's yeah. going to work against gin me. gin elsewhere. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but not sure not here. <laughs> so the kitchens, they didn't have like real formal kitchens to like prepare food. But we all know when you're eating food, especially salty food, which is what the majority of American style appetizers and finger foods are, it makes you thirstier. And when you're thirstier, you spend more money on alcohol. So because you just keep drinking, you don't realize that the alcohol is not really going to help you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, well, well, yeah, but it doesn't, it doesn't solve the initial problem. Maybe yeah, confidence it, gives me the strength to ask for a glass of water. Yes. <laughs> Okay, okay. Excuse me, can I have a glass of water? Yes. She's <laughs> falling over myself. I'm being responsible. I'm being no. responsible. I ate a, a whole chicken nugget. I hate I ate a canape. I ate a sofa. <laughs> and now I'm thirsty. There's a salty sofa. 
Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, we have we have the the working people seeking out their kicks at juice joints and speakeasies. And then we have the wealthy people seeking out their kicks at cocktail parties. Because remember, the consumption of alcohol, not illegal, just the sale of alcohol. So you want to be like schmoozing with people, you wanna climb some political ladder, you wanna make connections, you're gonna host a cocktail party, which became very very popular during prohibition era because it was the only place for wealthy people to legally get boozed up Hmm. so people would throw these giant parties and then the only food choice because again they wanted to be informal they were looking to like build connections and network and and just schmooze with people so they wouldn't serve like a real sit-down dinner because the purpose was that you would like mingle right you'd work the room you would have a drink in one hand and then a finger food an appetizer something small in another hand so this took place of like sit down dinners during this time and it completely changed the way that the upper crust of like of north america socialized with one another and entertained people and suddenly cookbooks started featuring all entire sections on how to prepare finger foods so there's a cookbook that comes out in 1918 right on the eve of prohibition called fanny Merritt farmers the boston cooking school cookbook i have that cookbook um, you do? Oh. oh my god! I totally have that cookbook. Do you? Should I go get it? <laughs> That's amazing. There's okay. a section in okay. there called so, finger foods. Yeah. So after Betty Crocker's box, yeah, we yeah. will go through. We that. gotta dive into that cookbook. Yeah. It was my grandmother. Yeah. Fanny. We got to dive into Fanny's yeah. cookbook. <laughs> got Betty Crocker's box. We've got Fanny. Yeah. Yeah. Fanny Merritt Farmers. Yeah. Oh boy. So. These finger foods like varied widely on a couple different things. One is like class. So we talked about like the class divide with people going to speakeasies and juice joints versus people attending cocktail parties. Um, so like cocktail parties are more affluent. So you'd be served things like crab cakes or lobster sandwiches and all these fancy like olives and jellies and pickles. And then less. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I agree. I, I mean, agree. I like the pickles. Yeah. Pickles I hate pickles. I know. <laughs> They're the herpes of side I... dishes. <laughs> yeah. No, they make it, everything. It's issue. Yeah. Like Charlotte. It's a, it's an issue. Sat down this last the other night with a jar of pickles and a fork. My oh my god! Okay, sidebar. So mm-hmm. we haven't talked about the sandwich. <sighs> what sandwich? What so the sandwich? I watch this YouTube channel and she does like, oh, send me your recipes from other cultures or whatever. And she did a series on. So um, <laughs> she did a series on. Stuff that you wouldn't think goes together, but does. And oh, one of the things, this sandwich. Oh, one yeah. of the things that she ate, Kate, don't knock it till you try it. Mm. I feel like you would like I it. I feel like I know what it's going to be. One of the things she she ate was it was bread, mayo. Okay. A very thin layer of mayo. Uh, peanut butter. Mm-hmm. And then dill pickles. Okay. And I said, she really loved it. She was like, oh, my God, this is actually really good. And I was like, huh. So I'm like, I'm going to try that. So I did. And it is fucking delicious. I don't doubt it. it I, I honestly so don't. It is. So I don't know if you need the mayo. I haven't tried it yet without the mayo. But I had made like a tiny little half sandwich. And I sent them the picture of it. Like, oh, look, I'm going to try it. Yeah. And it was so good that I made another half 
sandwich wow. so that I could finish my lunch because you know it. What? I feel like the vinegar of the mayo, slight as it may be, will really work with the brine. Mm, the it was so. What kind of bread did you use? Um, I get like a twelve grain. Okay. Like whole wheat kind of kind of jam, mm. but it was really good. And then these two were like. I mean, Kate was just shocked that yeah. it was good. And I told her I was going to make her try it. And Amy, the pickle hater of the group, uh, <laughs> thought it was disgusting. I also sent it to my coworker who also hates pickles. Amy, well, the yeah, pickle yeah, hater, name of that. my new band. <laughs> <laughs> but it was so good. It's really good. I recommend people try like literally just thin mayor of mayo oh thing. Mayor. Yeah. Thin yeah. layer of yeah. mayo. Other, yeah. Other, other bread, peanut butter. Throw some dill pickles on there. No thanks. It did some the peanut butter and the and the pickle. They do something magical in your mouth. You know I what? Promise. I have spicy pickles. I wonder if that would work. Mm, that might add a little, you know, oomph yeah. to it. A little might, zing might be, might be very bad. It could also be. I mean, this could have been bad. I didn't know. It just happened to be delicious. Like it's literally like replacing peanut butter sandwiches for me. Like that's what, how good it is. Whatever blows your skirt up. <laughs> All right, sidebar over, but you should definitely try that sandwich. It's delicious. I I honestly might. I do have all those things and I love them dearly. Oh, Please God, let me know if Anything you try I it. I, I yeah. it's so good. <laughs> Will do. Okay. Oh boy. Okay. So affluent cocktail parties, you're getting served things like olives, jellies, pickles, right? Yeah. Less affluent at the speakeasies, you're getting things like deviled eggs eggs salted nuts and peanut butter and jelly sandwiches <laughs> um like tiny ones yeah little like tiny ones little Aww. itty ones and then if you're in like a more urban area um especially by like a uh, port uh you might get like things like ham and cheese and salami sandwiches and this actually gained a lot of popularity too with sailors during this time um they would call it free lunch these are very salty things especially salami, right? And again, it would make you want to drink more. So you'd come in on your lunch break and like a place that looked like a sandwich shop, you would get a free lunch and then you would slip like a couple bills to whoever's behind the counter and then they would fill your your glass with something other than water. Um, And then in households too, like there were all these different recipes that like came out of this era too so like this is when we start to get like jello molds um and uh fruit cocktails and fruit salads and lobster sandwiches and cookbooks started featuring things like home how to make homemade wine and like what dishes and and like um finger foods paired best with these homemade wines so like this whole like little cottage industry erupted out of the sudden desire for like quick easy like utensilless, plateless foods that you could consume in one hand with a drink in the other. Like that was the idea is that you had two hands, you needed one for a drink and one for food, uh, which is how I like to live my life, really. I mean, really, yeah, it's not drink, it's, food. It's not bad. <laughs> yeah. um, so the 18th Amendment sticks around until 1933, at which point it is repealed. Because of the depression. Yeah. Total total suffering by the entire country, but at least we got alcohol back. So Yeah. I mean we Even need out. To, yeah. Yeah. It's important. It would have been a very different World War II if prohibition had not been repealed. Mm-hmm. So uh but by this point, like 
like our entire food industry had revolutionized our restaurant industry had revolutionized cookbooks had adapted because it's it's over a decade it's 13 years at this point by the time since the 18th amendment had gone into effect and it was um 15 years since the volstead act had been passed so this is 15 years of like no legal sales of alcohol so that's a long time i could not i could not Well, we would have tell. found a way. If this pandemic has <laughs> taught me anything. Oh, that's true. I have made some. I have fermented some things. So I guess I would have figured it out eventually. Yeah. But yeah, Ooh. just lots of lots of uh, do it yourself home home remedies. But there's also like this, like I said, it changed the way that bars operated, restaurants operated, cocktail parties became a thing, became a really important part of American culture, especially in political spheres um, and affluent circles, social circles. And then small plate dishes were forever cemented in American cuisine during this time, both as appetizers and pub food and party fare. So uh, they like having this like small, like delectable thing that you could Mm. eat with your hands became really important in a lot of different areas of american life so it changed it changed a lot in our country this this one law changed a lot Hmm. yeah yeah i mean again just the sheer number of cocktails that were invented during that time is insane and also i mean i love canapes (laughs) so i like a little finger food you know (laughs) i like a little bruschetta (laughs) <laughs> no. wow so fancy such a dignified mm. pronunciation yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's great i like looking at how far we've come from like this dignified adaptation to uh to circumvent like a law with like the finger food and the population of the appetizer and then you end up with like applebee's half price apps on fridays after <laughs> nine o'clock and it's like <laughs> it's so like you know like commercialized it's like the idea of it as like this like new thing is like like how rock and roll is like was like this grand like this grand introduction from like england it's like whoa and now it's like dad rock um (laughs) and it's like it's it's funny to see the food take that kind of same steady trajectory (laughs) like the the i guess like just startling mundanity mundaneness what's the word for that yeah I feel Mund- like the first Mund- one was most right. Medan- medanity? Mund- medanity? Oh, the mundanity. <laughs> I don't know. I don't uh, know. Just I'm not going to correct anybody's pronunciation. But anything. yeah, appetizers <laughs> can be so great, but so lame. And I'm sure yes. it was like that in the early 1900s as well. I'm sure there was some like terrible speakeasies, but like. Oh, for sure. Like, yeah. I feel like that apple's lost to shine a little bit. Yeah. I don't I want to. No, the ones that didn't stand the test of time. Like, what yeah. are the ones? And since Kate, you have a recipe book, they have a section in that recipe book that's all about finger foods. I want to know, yeah. like, what recipes are in there that we've were like, what the fuck is that? I've never heard of that. I mean, so. we've discovered a few of those from Get Betty Crocker's box. Yeah, yes. I mean, hardly imagine that there will be more. It's a, it's a, it's a journey. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, I don't know. Kate, do you have a recipe for us tonight from so, Betty Crocker's box? It's interesting. It's interesting. Your 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 story has has perhaps changed my choice. So oh. for, for uh anybody who's listening for the first time, thank you. Uh BT dubs. Um 
every episode, <laughs> we like to talk about a recipe from this cool old box of Betty Crockers that I happen to have. It's from the 70s and it's this um, smorgasbord. Is that the word that you used earlier? <laughs> yes. <laughs> of, um, of, of recipes that are all like color coded and they're all the, on these little cool cards. Um, and there's different... Uh, different menu sections and And when we launch when we launch our patreon coming soon um, we're gonna use uh the topics from that box as our kind of like patreon tiers yeah 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 yeah. endless water for us i love it so much so good so we're having a lot of fun playing with betty crocker's box yes her her box is is (laughs) giving giving it's magical it really is magical so her box (laughs) (laughs) um so i had two i had two choices of of um of sections that i thought i was going to be able to find a recipe from one of them is called um gala menus and i figured a gala menu is going to have choices uh that would be you know finger foodie or uh, appetizer-y. But um, what I actually ended up finding the recipe out of was the one called crowd size entertaining. This was the, Mm. the, so the crowd sized entertaining uh, section. And I mean, that's the only level you cook on, right? Okay. Every time you cook, it's just for crowd size entertaining. When it's two or 12 or four or 27 people, it's the same amount of people. It just depends how much stuff people go home with is, is how, uh, is basically. It's the size of the bites. (laughs) <laughs> like, well, yeah, you gotta take yeah. some more bites. There's 27 people here. Yeah, no, <laughs> right. No, no, the no, the key is it's always for 27 people. If there are no only two what. people there, you just take lots of leftovers home. That's got the, it. That's or the key. Bites. Yes. Right. Or bigger of bites. Of you have to unhinge your jaw. Yeah. Again, yeah. like a yeah, just a bowl yeah. full of deviled eggs, like a yeah. cereal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You just shovel them right in. So um so I had pulled out the one for hors d'oeuvres and I had pulled out the one for easy pedophores because I thought, you know, maybe this would be the conversation. But I think that it's amazing that an hors d'oeuvre is not a canape. Uh, that an hors d'oeuvre is a antipasti, not um, a bite-sized finger food. So I think that that's pre- what so many words. Yeah, many I think words. It, I think it's fin- I think that's the neat. So what we're gonna choose and talk about today is called hot in a bun for forty-eight. This is what it's called. Hot in a bun. Hot in a bun. In a bun. That's my drag name. <laughs> oh, oh my really god <laughs> i'm nestle Rhodes, and you're hot in a bun yes. and then the showcase is betty crocker's box <gasps> yes <laughs> yeah. oh, okay okay we're building something here we're building something. it's all coming together <laughs> yep. yep all right so what, what is hot in a bun yeah okay, well, it's, it's charlotte it's funny because you just kind of offhandedly mentioned earlier that um that a cheesesteak is not a finger food. And oh no, am I going to eat my words? <laughs> this my hot in a bun would argue, words. I think. So, but no, no. Because it's it is, tiny though, right? If they're small, yeah, they're okay. they're like, they're, yeah, yeah. 
Okay. Is it like a slider versus a burger kind of? Oh, slider cheesesteak. But it's not cheesesteak. It looks, I thought it was cheesesteak because it kind of looks like cheesesteak, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nope, it's worse. Um, Okay. (laughs) Did I see peas? Um, I don't see peas on here, but okay. So there's two choices on the back here. One is called (laughs) Sloppy Frank's and the other is called Southern Burgers. So let's figure out what this is. So Southern Burgers doesn't sound too terrible. It is, it's basically, um, ground beef, chopped onion, some ketchup, catsup on here um some mustard some hamburger buns there is um you do use eight cans of condensed chicken gumbo soup so <laughs> is, is that a buy? betty crocker is that a betty crocker brand thing is that why it does say. not say that it our it does not say our our huh. condensed like the original chicken gumbo Maybe it fell off a truck. Yeah. It's very like the, the, the person compiling the recipes came came into possession of 200 cans of condensed chicken gumbo soup. Yes. And they're like, I gotta gotta find a way to make we gotta these use this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like six yeah. other recipes that have that exact same in thing in large that. quantities. Yeah. Right, right, right. So, but remember, this is for 48, right? We're we're competing, we're of doing course, 48 sure, of these. Yeah. So eight cans of this stuff so and that in in this situation you just mix all this stuff together and you serve it on the buns the sloppy franks on the other hand uh this is three pounds of frankfurters cut into one quarter inch slices so hot dogs yeah mm -hmm, hot dogs okay but they're cut up Mm -hmm. uh like you give to a child little little rounds (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. low choking threshold yeah Yeah. um there's celery salted peanuts okay okay green pepper hard-boiled eggs onion Uh, and then yeah there's (laughs) mayonnaise and hard-boiled eggs and cut up hot dogs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Is <that> your threshold? <laughs> it's just what a roller coaster, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm just, ma- those are two different parts of my cooking brain. Like those are not in the same <laughs> dish. I think Salt what? <laughs> yeah, the peanuts really throws me. The peanuts are what throw me. Yeah, that yeah, makes guess- more sense because you could get roasted peanuts and Frank's at a ballpark. Like that to me is yeah. like in the same field. Oh my god, Amy, oh. your brain is yeah. amazing. She's really, right. no, she she it's yeah. your brain is just felt like Carl Sagan should have researched your brain, right? To, to, to find out what's the going universe, on. First, you must make a hot in a bun. <laughs> Yeah. The ingredients, yeah. mayo, peanuts, a whole apple pie. <laughs> <laughs> sure, buddy. <laughs> I mean, okay. you're, you're the authority around here. This I is mean... your box. I will do it. Oh, my God. <laughs> and that all just goes on a bun? Well, so what bothers me the most about this is I think it's cold. So, like, okay. yeah, like, the mm-hmm. you're putting the... No. 
Yeah, this is the thing. So you you've got this yeah. open. Oh, you're putting it on Frankfurter buns. So that's uh-huh. this is what we're seeing here, Frankfurter buns. Um, so you're okay. you do broil the Frankfurter buns because you have put sharp cheddar cheese slices on top of it. So you put that in the oven, broil so like a Quiznos toasty. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. This is a hot pocket. Right. Open hot, open hot, open hot in a pocket. Open face hot pocket. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, so ew is all I can ew. Just, just, yeah. I mean, you know, we're going to make these, right? Yeah. We're going to, we're eventually, it's like when I made hot dish for us and we all tried to bet, we're like, nope. Yeah. And then your husband, you were like, partner just had to eat the rest of it. Yes. Yeah. We're like, I'll just bring it home for my family. <laughs> and we're like, oh. <laughs> so there it is. Hot, hot in a bun for 48. Technically, I love it. So your food. If I, I, I know we're winding down, but I do want to just say, I like that. Yeah. It's in the bun, so that's part of the name. But presumably, if you don't put it on the bun, the dish is just called hot. <laughs> do, like, <Yeah>. right? <laughs> and it's served cold. Yeah. So, no, so wait, yeah. Why is it cold hot in a bun? So it's you want cold. some cold hot? I, mean, I, guess. I have some in the fridge, in the ice box. I give you some cold hot for a free lunch. And this does sound like it's fit for a sailor. Really <laughs> this this oh, will definitely good. make that sailor buy an extra drink <laughs> to wash yeah. it down. Yeah. So it's, I think Ooh. I think it's hot because the bread and cheese is hot, and then. So you're putting cold filling on the hot bread and right. cheese. Nothing sounds more not delicious <laughs> than cold chopped hot dog with deviled egg mixed in. Yeah. Did y'all ever eat? Did y'all ever eat cold hot dogs like no, when you were right. younger? That's just bologna. No, but I mean like the actual hot dog. Like take it out of the fridge and eat it. No. No. Well, no. no. I'm not I, an animal, I, Melissa. I, I didn't do that. Uh, I would though. I have a. I have like low bar for what i'll put what i'll eat i mean we were very poor sometimes all that was in the fridge were hot dogs <laughs> but i feel like i got it from my brother too and i mean he's i disgusting. get angry with so. my husband if he puts a hot dog in the microwave i'm like oh yeah oh, if you're gonna eat a hot dog you're gonna eat it that's the allure though right it's so easy you just yeah, I, get it in the microwave. I think so yeah but you see that guy on twitter that he just kept microwaving the hot dog <laughs> He, he no. microwaved it. I think it was like for 90 minutes or something, but he kept track of like each stage and how many minutes. And he, at some point he was like, my wife and children have left the house due to the smell. Oh my God. <laughs> Yikes. I, I can appreciate the, the spirit of adventure oh, and experimentation. The commitment. Yeah. I loved it. It's really, really good, but cool. It's awful. <laughs> <laughs> Hot in a microwave. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Onions, oh, that's yeah. it. That's what I've got. <laughs> Man, Amazing. what a dish. So great. Well, thank you, everybody. We're winding yes. down now. I am pleasantly buzzed. Nice. Um, how I like to end every episode. 
um, so that I actually remember bits of it when I edit it and I know what I'm looking for is always nice. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, that's a good call. Yeah, it's always good. Um, Charlotte, thank you so much for joining yes, us. It thank was great you. having you on. I had a um, ball or a oh. gala. <laughs> Let's make uh, that happen. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, thank you so much for having me. I, I love podcasts and I wasn't on any. And so I just put it out there into the universe. I was like, someone have me on, please. Uh, and, and then I was and, like, and, hi, and, yeah. <laughs> I'm over eager. Come on our podcast. <laughs> I, like, I, I like drinking and food. So yeah, no, this was so fun. It was so nice to meet all of you and to to talk about this. This are these archaic ways of entertaining. Oh, that's yeah. so great. Entertaining parties and things. <laughs> yeah. Uh, bar, bars getting together. Oh, bars too. Just yeah. going on an afternoon and getting a cocktail. Bars, Maybe man. go to the movies. The movies. I was the other day, I was I was like, I don't even want to see any. There's like nothing that I, I just want to go. I just want movie go. theaters that serve one. Oh my god, I miss those now. Yeah. Oh my God. Anyway, we're still in the hellscape <laughs> of our own creating. So, yay. Mm-hmm. Um, so at the end of every episode, as now I explain to every guest, we say bye all together. Okay. Um, we but don't. The, the, yeah. These two ladies generally. Um, okay. Because we see it we like, like we're the Supremes and we're harmonizing. Yeah. And Melissa has to start us off. We're letting so her she, take the lead. Right. So she starts us off and then we come in harmonizing. Okay. What With- is ex- what is expected of me? <laughs> I, I feel like I'm I feel like I'm so poised to misstep here. <laughs> you know, whatever makes you happy, Charlotte. Oh, okay. Essentially, uh, Melissa starts off and then Kate and I always wait a beat because we know it kind of aggravates her and i see i understand now okay yeah. i'm gonna try to walk the line between the two then Ooh. yeah <laughs> okay, i'm gonna fine. i don't want to i don't want to take any sides i don't want to <laughs> i don't know what the lore and context is in the the dvp uh so i'm gonna just play it safe <laughs> <laughs> that's all we've got so thank you everybody for joining us and we hope you hope to see you next time Bye. 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 <laughs> <laughs> Just got it. Right Thank you for listening to Drunk Dish. For recipes and more, please visit drunkdish.com. If you like what you hear, subscribe and leave a review on iTunes or Apple Music. You can also follow us on Twitter at Drunk Dish Pod and Instagram at Drunk Dish. And again, thanks for listening. Bye.